Well, good morning. Uh, I just want to, I'm just going to give you a heads up. Uh, you, this morning, church, you got a big role in this message this morning. Um, I am not going to spend the entirety of this time um, speaking to you, but it's going to, we're going to have a testimony service. Now, I'm not going to pull people up to the microphone. But this is going to be an opportunity for us this morning, as we talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, for us to testify of the work of God in our hearts. And then also pray for those of us who are in need. Keith took a couple of weeks, the Holy Spirit led him to talk about the essentiality of prayer, and that prayer is complicated at the same time. And so, as we continue on the, the, the hills that we call the hills to die on, the topic of the Holy Spirit is mine. And so we could spend a lot of time this morning talking about the Holy Spirit. I could give you tons of scriptures. As a matter of fact, I've got tons of scriptures. But as I wrestled with this, and I owe the administrative staff so much in terms of their dealing with this dunderhead, uh, they helped me greatly. And as I put together this outline, this outline right here, Friday night, it's like, this just doesn't seem quite right. Saturday morning, I'm just not. And then I'm on the way to men's Bible study with Lester on Saturday morning, and I felt like the Lord said, shut up and let me speak. What, do you think you'd have anything to say that I wouldn't have to say? I'm not quite sure. but um, And so I... Do you remember when, um, when President Donald Trump gave his uh, last State of the Union address? Do you remember that? And then behind him, you know how the Speaker of the House is here and the Vice President of the United States is here. And do you remember what she did? She kind of went like, I, I kind of heard the Holy Spirit do that with my notes. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to spend time praying this morning. I'm going to share a little bit. Then if it gets late, just tell me to shut up, and, and we will get into what God wants to do. John 15, 1 through 5, I want you to read this aloud with me. Read it like it's the word of God. <laughs> How about that? Because it's the word of God. Jesus wouldn't have said it. John wouldn't have recorded it. The Spirit of God would have told him if you and I didn't need to hear this. Okay. Let's read this. Read it with me together. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. No one escapes pruning. No one that is, if they're in the body of Christ, if they are in Christ. And none of us escape at times, not liking it. 
being burdened by it, being sorrowed by it. Terry's told those stories this morning. And not even us, Lakeview Christian Center. But it is an essential discipline and work of the Holy Spirit. He makes disciples, young disciples, middle-aged disciples, old disciples, by pruning us. That's what he does. And part of that is, is disciplining. And all, the, all discipline for the moment does not seem to be joyful, does it? But sorrowful. But to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields, what does it yield? The peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful what? Fruit of righteousness, which comes by the Holy Spirit pruning us. Now, I am really excited about this morning, the privilege to share with you guys. And, and I know I speak for, for Phil and Peter and Stephen, Keith, who is in Orlando today with one of our Sovereign Grace churches installing a new senior pastor. Um, We've been in John 15 for a while, and you and I, we need to spend our lives in John 15. The Christian life is abiding in the vine by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the good news is that God prunes, but he doesn't prune dead limbs. He prunes, what does he prune? He prunes fruit-bearing limbs. He prunes fruit-bearing limbs. He prunes us, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. God has made us a fruit-bearing church. He, clearly, his design is for more fruit to be born. And where's the fruit going to come from? Hmm. Well, look to your right, and look to your left, and look at yourself, because it's time, like never before, for many, if not most of us here, maybe watching live stream or de delayed broadcast video, to stop looking, now hear me, to stop looking at ourselves as an audience. The church of Jesus Christ gathered together is not an audience. Audiences come, they pay their money, they get entertained, and they go home. This morning, our purpose is not for you to be coming, pay your tithe, be entertained or convicted or stirred just a little bit, and then go home. We are a congregation of priests. We're a holy nation to God. We are ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation. Our citizenship is not of this world. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. And we have an anointing so that through a congregation of believers, the world would be changed. That should have us on pins and needles every time we come together. Because we're not here just to get a momentary jab, a little B12 shot that may last us for three days. We're here to experience more of the life of God himself who is in us, and that should excite us. He has called us out of darkness. He has made us salt and light in this world. Not for the purpose of living beneath a manner that is worthy of our calling. And how many times I live in a manner beneath my calling. He's called us in a manner to live in a manner, what? Worthy of our calling. And how high is a calling that God gives to us? If God calls us, 
There's no higher calling. There's no greater life or purpose or destiny. And that's what each and every one of us as saints of God, a congregation of holy believers have been called to. And when we gather together for this time, it's for the purpose of declaring his praises here. It's for the purpose of being touched and ministered to and to touch and to minister as priests of God. Because our, high, our calling is just that high. And we just have to be awakened to know that. Now look, nobody likes pruning like we talked about. But... Uh, it's not like anybody was giddy when Eric or Evan were called here, called away from here. Nobody was going, ooh, pruning. <laughs> I can't wait. I hope it goes deeper than the last time. Nobody does that. No, Ronald and Andrea creeps being called away much less. <laughs> I'm going to miss you. Uh, much less God calling um, such pillars of our church, Bill and Nancy, from us. Pruning, that was a deep pruning. But those are Father's sovereign determinations. That's his choosing. He cuts away fruit-bearing branches that even more fruit can come forth and mature for God's glory and his kingdom's growth collectively through every one of us, his divine, spirit-filled branches. Well... Where God prunes, God grows. And we need to know that, believe that. And can I encourage us, church? And I'm so guilty of this. We need to stop complaining about what's happening or not happening. That you or I may, whether we like it or not. Um, we may need to hush up our grumbling with one another. And speak of our, and speak up to our complaining to God in faith-filled prayer for mature God-exalting fruit-bearing among us through the work of God's Holy Spirit. God has grafted us into the Spirit so that we bear fruit because of the Spirit and we mature and we experience the power of God because of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a faithful Father. You complete the work you begin. Holy Spirit, convict us this morning, not if we are living beneath your capacity in us. Convict us and correct us where we are living beneath the capacity of your Holy Spirit in us. Open our hearts and our minds. Work in us that we will this morning gird our minds for action. To be totally aware of every way Satan would keep us from focusing on the word you want to speak to us this morning. And have us carry with us from here. Lord, awaken your saints to this uber high calling this morning, that even as we pray together, we will experience your spirit living and moving and revealing himself to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not going to take any time talking about the theology of the Holy Spirit this morning. I just don't have time to do that. If you want to do that, you can come to Alpha on Tuesday night, because Tuesday night, week eight, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and you get free dinner to go with that. Um, so who is he? 
Well, he is the helper, the counselor, the comforter. He is the spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of life, the spirit of prophecy. He is the spirit of grace. He is the spirit of holiness. He is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He is the spirit of glory. He is, according to 2 Corinthians 2.17, he is the Lord. Now, you don't have this scripture, but I think some of you know this anyway. It says in 2 Corinthians 2.17, now the Lord is the spirit And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Really. Is the spirit of the Lord here today? No, really. We'll say that theologically. I share the spirit of the Lord's here. The spirit of the Lord is in this place because you are in this place. That's why the spirit of the Lord's here. Because you're here. Now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What kind of freedom? Well, we could, we could take a lot of time with that. But let me ask you this morning, what kind of freedom do you need this morning? Where do you need to experience the liberty, the freedom of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Where? Think about that right now. Just stop. Okay, I'm, I'm shutting up for about five seconds. You should immediately know. Where do you need to experience the almighty power of the Holy Spirit being the freedom that God desires for us to walk in? Because he is in us. For those who would receive Christ, he said the Spirit wouldn't. Again, this is Bible study material for you during the week if you want it. He would convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He would birth us into the kingdom, giving us eternal life. He would give us a new heart, a heart of flesh. Be with us forever. Teach us all things. To the disciples, he would bring to their remembrance all that he said to them so that they would have by the Spirit the Scripture. He would guide us into all the truth. He would take what the Father tells him to tell us and reveal it to us. He would lead us and bear witness to, with our spirit that we are children of God. He would pour out of us rivers of living water. He gives us gifts and he makes us fruitful. The Holy Spirit qualifies us for these things by first birthing us into the kingdom by regenerating us and by giving us his life. So we see that we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. This is how we have the Spirit of God living in us. This is how anything happens to us. I've never taken my watch off before and put it next to me like this. I feel official now having done that. But I've got to watch Titus 3, 5. Look look at this. He, that is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. He did that. I know there's a lot of funny things now at, at gas stations. Have you seen some of those things where, you know, the I did that next to the big, big, you know, the gas price? Whenever anything happens in your life, that is clearly God, he did that. He could, he could point next to I did that. I did that. I saved you. I'm sanctifying you. I did all that. I did that. You got that job? I did that. You got healed? I did that. You got d- delivered from depression? I did that. He does it all. There's nothing that takes place in our lives that the Holy Spirit is not presiding over. He is God's workhorse. 
You shall receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And you might be, possibly, if you're feeling like it, uh, my witnesses. And you will be my witnesses. This is what he said. So that, church, we would live in the power of God. Not as American Christians, but as Christ-exalting citizens of heaven Christians that know our time on earth is short. And we must work in the power of the Spirit while it is day. We must do that. He saved us not because of works we've done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. John 6, 63 says, it is the Spirit who gives life. We don't give ourselves life. Dead people cannot resurrect themselves. The Spirit of God took us dead ones and gave us life and we have been sanctified and we are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit okay we have been justified we have been declared by God innocent not guilty blameless legally exonerated because of the work of the cross and Christ sending the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us and we have been positionally sanctified. We have been made holy. We've been declared holy. We have been set apart by God, by the indwelling spirit. And yet God is still progressively working in us. This quote here I think is in your notes. God wasn't working in Israel to make them his chosen people. But he was working in Israel for his glory because he chose them to be his chosen people. Similarly... God, the Holy Spirit, is not making us holy so that he can make us holy. He's making us holy for his glory because he's already made us holy. By the Spirit, he is revealing in us and through us progressively the work that he has already done. Do you see that? Do you see the security in that? Do you see the assurance that we have? What God has already done in us, he is progressively doing through us. We don't work now so that we can be made holy. No, Christ made us holy through his cross and sending the Holy Spirit so that you and I progressively look like we have been made. That should excite us. That should exhilarate us. Because God is always at work doing more and more to reveal himself to us. And that's what we want to experience today and always. So he is our source of sanctification. And in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it tells us that Christ has become for us righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The back end of 1 Corinthians 6.19, and when he goes through this litany of all the sins and the activities of the flesh, he says in verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed. Hey, okay, are you in Christ today? If you're in Christ, would you raise your hand? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Okay. So this, this scripture here applies to every one of us that are in Christ. You were washed. You, what's the word? Were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He's done it all. He's done it all. Done it all. Bill Parker, who's somebody you've never heard of, and I think it's important to bring names of people into us you know, quote people that you've never heard of, you don't know who they are. Well, this is Bill Parker. Here he is. 
Um, he says, before we ever take the first step in seeking to be holy or in doing good works, we are already completely justified, sanctified, fit, in and, and fit and entitled to all of heaven based on the imputed righteousness of Christ. We are to run the Christian race, persevere in the faith, walk in the light, seek to bear fruit and bring forth good fruits, not in order to become saints, but we are to do all of this as having been made full-fledged saints by virtue of Christ and his righteousness alone. How exciting. But there is a battle, church. There is a battle. That battle for sanctification, that battle to walk in the anointing and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And victory over sin is won through the renewing of our minds, not the capacity of our memories. Now, I'm talking about a supernatural renewing of our minds, not because some of us are smarter than others and can memorize more scriptures than others, or may have some really interesting uh, understanding of scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.3, Paul writes, for, the, for though we walk in these bodies in the flesh... We do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the tearing down of strongholds, fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Folks, the, the more we are awakened to the presence of the Spirit in us, the more we believe the reality of that which is at times subjective to us, the more we are aware of God's holiness, the more aware we will become that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We do not war according to the flesh. There is an enemy. And so, so when, uh, when Peter says, be sober-minded, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking you and me to devour. We understand then how essential it is for us to walk in the spirit. We are to gird our minds for action. We are, we are to understand this. So as these thoughts, how many of you here this morning, and every one of you could raise your hand so you don't have to have had thoughts that have just roamed around in your brain for days, weeks, months, years, decades. And have set the way you think about yourself, set the way you think about others, set the way you think about God, put you in situations of sensing hopelessness or chronic fear. How many of you done that? All of us have. Why is that? Because we have not recognized what scripture says here, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Well, what was Christ's obedience? His obedience was total surrender to his father. And God is telling us, you don't have to let those thoughts run around in your mind any longer. Absolutely. We've just let them sit there, linger, fester. It's like a, a mold-filled Katrina house is our brain because we don't take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ because we don't recognize who this Spirit of God is that is in us. 
Why do we live like mere men, mere women, when in us is the God who created all things and intentionally made you and me to house him? <laughs> you think about that. I know we've memorized 1 Corinthians 6. I know that. But how many of us know that? We tend to forget this very important work. Or do you not know, Frank, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You are bought with a price. Whom you have from God, you are no longer your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, I'll I'll paraphrase here, act like it. Act like it. Because that is who you and I have been made by the regenerative work, the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. This is what, on the day of Pentecost, much to say about this, but I'm going to go, Acts 2, 17. In the last days, Peter says, (laughs) that God said... (laughs) I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons. Okay. Now all people. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Okay. We have people here. Okay. I see people here. This means you. Please. Let's not like this some history book. God said, I will pour my spirit upon every one of us. And what's going to happen? Did he say this might happen? He said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Okay. We're living in the last days. I think we all agree with that. Well, if we're living in the last days, this should be the experience of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, really, listen to this. This should be our experience. And my question is, if it's not, why is it not? He will pour his spirit. I mean, if... If somebody promised me they were coming to my house at 5 o'clock this evening and was going to give me $10,000 and they never showed up, I'd be bummed. Wouldn't you? If somebody promised you, and again, a lot of contractors have that issue because, you know, they, they, they just get overworked. Yeah, I'm going to be there at 6 o'clock tomorrow. You can count on me. I'm going to be there. They just didn't say it was 6 o'clock a year from tomorrow is what they didn't tell you. Uh, Wouldn't you be bummed? I know we've all dealt with this, particularly with Hurricane Ida. I know the Lowe's have dealt with this. I know the Collins have dealt with this. I know the Rockefellers have dealt with this. Many of us have dealt with this. But here God says, in the last days, church, you that I'm choosing for myself, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon you. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to prophesy. You're going to dream dreams. You're going to have visions. You're going to see my life expressed through you in ways that will amaze you. That's what he said. Do we believe the word of God? Now, really, I have to ask myself that question. I say theologically, yes. 
But in terms of how I walk out today, the rest of the day, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, until I get to go to church again on Sunday, do I believe this? Do I believe, yes, God meant that word for me. The Holy Spirit filled me to do something through me, to let me experience and express his glorious life in and through me. I took my watch off. I can't see it. I don't think this is on the screen, but I'm going to read this to you. We tend to forget individually who we have been made, who we have been made by the indwelling spirit. Each of us do as new creations in Christ and forget as well who we are collectively indwelled corporately by the spirit as Christ's body his church. Here's the result. We don't live as who we are as new creations in Christ, either individually or as a church collectively. And often because we don't remind ourselves and one another of these truths as scripture teaches, the result, therefore, is that we become anesthetized. Now hear me. We become anesthetized to these scriptures that we have memorized in our head. And knowledge of scripture without application is powerless against the wisdom of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We walk around as if we're dressed for a costume party and not dressed for the deadly battle we are in for ourselves, our family, our church, and the lost. See, Jesus said to the Pharisees, they knew the word. He said, you search the word because you think in them you have eternal life. But these are they which speak of me, but you're not coming to me. So you have life. They thought the life was in the, the holy words of scripture. Now they are holy words of scripture. But it's the spirit that gives them life. What we can find ourselves doing is being taught extremely well. And yet applying extremely poorly. We think the words, you search the scripture because you think in them you have life. No, they speak of me. Come to me because of what you've read in the word. So that you may have more than words. The Pharisees probably, had, they could win all the sword drills of any Sunday school class. But those words, these words speak of him. So that we will go to him and experience life, give life, live life. As the church of Jesus Christ that we've been called to be. Paul said to the Corinthians, the kingdom of God is not in mere words. The kingdom of God does not consist of words, but of power. Spirit of God comes to give us himself. Therefore, he comes to give us power. Andrew Murray said, of God I am in Christ created anew, made a branch of the vine, fitted for fruit bearing. Okay, stop, stop. Okay, let's start again. Um, we're going to start again with that because I want us to hear this. Of God, I am in Christ. Created anew, made a branch of the vine, fitted for fruit bearing, wood to God 
that believers would cease looking most at their old nature and complaining of their weakness as if God called them to what they were unfitted for. Would that they would believingly and joyfully accept the wondrous revelation of how God in uniting them to Christ has made himself chargeable for their spiritual growth and fruitfulness. How sickly hesitancy and sloth would disappear. And under the influence of this mighty motive with faith in the faithfulness of him who grafted them into Christ, their whole nature would rise and accept and fulfill their glorious destiny. You see, the motivation for the Holy Spirit comes from a motivation of love. And what was that not Jesus' command? This is my command that you love one another. And what are we incapable of doing without the Holy Spirit? Loving one another. And so the end of 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 13. Now abide, now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now it's a shame that we have the chapter division there. But that's where we stop. We'll close our Bibles that night at 13, 13. But then there's 14, 1. Because abides these three faith that Christ is in us by the Holy Spirit. Hope that he is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine. According to his power that is within us. And love the very God of life is love. We pursue spiritual gifts, especially that we would prophesy. But do you see that? All of that is birthed out of love, out of the presence of the God of love in us. And because the God of so think about this. Do I not pursue, why do I not pursue spiritual gifts? What may it be telling me? Is the love of God not bursting out of me because if I understand that I understand that I don't have the capacity in myself to love but God does have that capacity and he is that capacity in me and do and I want to express that love so how do I express that love hey church pursue spiritual gifts if we love we and we understand we can't love without him we will pursue spiritual gifts so that we will see the power of God manifest through us. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic utterances, gifts of healings, discerning of spirits, gifts of faith. All of those things we will see. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, goodness, self-control. All of those things we, the church of Jesus Christ, will experience every time we come together. Because that is our desire to see the spirit of God Powerfully moving among us. Isn't that what we want? Why would we come here otherwise? Really? What are we coming here for? Hopefully not to be entertained or even convicted by a pastor. Though that's a good thing to be convicted by a pastor who the Spirit of God is speaking to. But that we ourselves just don't look at ourselves anymore as an audience of believers. But we see ourselves as a congregation of priests. A congregation of priests. 
And Paul said, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Don't get drunk with the world and anything else in the world, but be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. The command by the Holy Spirit through the pen of the Apostle Paul is don't be drunk with the world. Don't be drunk with religion. Be drunk with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. So, priests of God, we who have the Holy Spirit of the Lord must know that he is in us and upon us. So I'm just going to take a moment to pray, and then we're going to pray together. Let's pray. Lord, we're asking you right now, would you take what you want to say to our hearts right now? And every one of us, Lord, we just ask you, and I pray, church, every one of us to a person. Spirit of God, fill us. Spirit of God, fill me. Fill me, Lord. I want to walk in a manner worthy of my calling. I want to walk with the Spirit of God living in me and manifesting himself through me. I want to be more aware of, of you and the, the love that you are and that you express and desire to express through me and the gifts and the power that you are, God. I do, and I pray for that right now. Right now, not in an hour from now, right now, Lord, that we would experience you. I pray, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.